Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tews at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. Welcome to another episode of Explain to Shane. Today, my guest is another Shane, Shane McRan Biglow who is the CEO of a company called Onum, the Cleveland-based company that was created to help government become more efficient by converting paper-based processes into digital formats using blockchain. Prior to Onum, Shane was the Senior Vice President and Managing Director at a company called Bernstein, where he sat on the firm's Responsible Investment Committee that focused on principles for responsible investment, environmental, and social governance around social responsibility investment matters. It was here that Shane developed a highly informed view of blockchain technologies that can help society through reducing cost of government and also inform businesses as what we're seeing today, where Onum has now focused on a new product called Vital Chain that can help validate who has the COVID-19 antibodies. This is a vital part of the equation on allowing communities to reopen their economies while managing the threat of the COVID-19 virus. Shane, thank you for being a guest today on Explain to Shane. No, thank you for having me. Can you walk us through the work? I know you guys put this together pretty quickly, but you have a very interesting consortium you're working with that is specifically Ohio-based, but it probably goes beyond that. So you want to give us the basics? Yeah, sure. So Vital Chain is a company that we started underneath our holding company, Onum. Onum creates different companies that digitize different vital records. And Vital Chain started, I guess at this stage, it was an idea in our head a, a couple of years ago, but the basic concept was to digitize birth and death certificates. And when you contemplate a birth or death certificate, all it is is a record that a medical professional signed off on that talks about a particular event occurring, the event being a birth or death. Well, you can transfer that same base technology that we've spent a few years developing and use it to track any medical event, including receiving an inoculation, vaccination, or antibody test. And that to us is a a way that we can provide a service back to the country to allow for people to have a validation tool or a certification tool is probably a better word, a certification tool for the test that you've received. So on the presumption that mass testing is rolling out, which I think we all have to presume will occur in some way and not a problem that we necessarily need to solve for, on the presumption that mass testing is, is rolling out, there needs to be a way to certify the results. And that would make it usable inside of the enterprise world. Because without it, I don't know what people would do. Would they just walk around with their test results in a manila folder or something like that? They need a way to have these results certified and to have the results that if you think about it, they're only going to last for a certain period of time. They need to be able to time out as well. And pieces of paper can't do that. The director of the Center for Disease Control and hopefully eventually prevention Robert Redfield noted on NPR earlier this week that aggressive contact tracing is really key, but he also said that we need a block and tackle approach, which is we know that this is an iterative process. We're going to get better at it as we go along. And the ability to note who has positive antibodies and has the ability to be kind of walking around in public without maybe being a harm to someone is part of this equation that I think we're just catching on to. I feel like you guys caught on to it a lot earlier. And you mentioned how to do this in maybe including businesses and eventually, you know, things that are more you know, public facing. So tell us who you have engaged in your process. Yeah, for us, there are going to be a lot of solutions out there. And those solutions probably have to work in combination with one another. 
contact tracing alone won't solve the problem because you need the practical side of how do you get people to feel comfortable getting back onto a plane or into a sporting arena or even into their employer or to get a haircut. You need a mechanism that everyone can use that is a common set of standards that people can follow to say, okay, I know what that person's status is because they have this certification. So for us, the first thing we did beyond the tech was really build a consortium of individuals and companies and entities and medical professionals that believe in this. On our board, for example, is Toby Cosgrove, the former CEO of the Cleveland Clinic, very well-regarded individual. The joke is that he turned down Obama and Trump to be head of the VA, but somehow he, we got him to say yes to us. So we're, uh, we're, excited. we're excited to have him involved. And we've also got Michelle Sullivan, who's a, a leader in global thinking about how to roll out programs like this to make sure that no one is left behind because this virus is hitting disproportionately poor and minority communities. And we need to account for how those communities can get back on their feet just as quickly as any other community. And a lot of programs don't always contemplate that. So we're delighted to have Michelle involved. We've also got the Cleveland Clinic, University Hospitals, Metro Hospitals, KPMG. KPG is there to help us with governance and project management and compliance. The hospitals are the three major hospitals in Northeast Ohio. It's rapidly expanding as medical professionals come join us from Quest, Abbott, ShareCare, other places that are joining our calls and joining our consortium to be part of the conversation as these leading medical professionals at the clinic, Metro and UH, discuss what the standards should be and how those standards can be relayed to the government because ultimately the government will need to set a common standard that everyone can use. You've also alluded to basically having an audit trail which seems to be part of the you know, going forward equation where we need to be able to understand how we validate and then what is the trust mechanism on this. So it seems like you have some really good partners that are engaged there and this is a model that can be emulated. So what is your plan? How are you guys going to roll this out? Yeah. So you know, if you think about it, everyone, everyone gets the test and then you get a particular result from the test. The result could have a variety of options to it. So let's be clear. There's people who never had the test. So that's one category of people. There's people that take the test and it turns out that they have the virus. So clearly they've got to quarantine and take care of themselves and get the right medical care. There's people that take the test and do not have the virus, but also don't have the antibodies present. Then there's people that take the test, don't have the the virus and do have the antibodies present, but the antibodies could range in terms of how significant they are in one person versus another based on a number of factors that the medical community is still, quite frankly, sorting out. The results from the test will have to be deployed in different ways. So at at first, what we'll know for sure, and there's really good science around it, is who has the virus and who doesn't. That's the first standard. But clearly, if you don't have the virus at the point you take the test, you could go somewhere an hour, two hours, five minutes later and acquire the virus. So how do you test for that? What use cases can use that data out of the gate? And there are some places that could use that data out of the gate. So knowing that the people you're admitting to your place don't have the virus, if you've properly cleaned your place and you're not worried about the virus being carried in, there is utility to that to start getting the economy going. As the serological tests advance and we wind up with a better test to reveal what the antibodies are and agreement in the scientific community, medical communities around what those antibody levels mean, that's when we'll be able to roll out to the next phase of understanding what everyone's antibody levels are and what that would permit them to do. So our certification tool will mature as that science matures. There there are a variety of serological tests that are starting to come out 
I don't think there's uniform agreement in the medical community around the veracity of what those tests would imply for your ability to return to work or to a plane or to a sporting facility. That will come, but it'll come in short order. This is all going to evolve very, very rapidly as the mass testing rolls out. One thing that I've found from a sociological element has been fascinating is sports seems to be an indicator on when we're healing. So I know you and I discussed the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm currently out in Denver and a a really good friend of mine is um, working with a lot of the sports teams here. I'm in contact with people in Las Vegas. They're very excited about the Raiders stadium almost being completed and are very hopeful that we have an NFL season. She's still yet to be determined. So how will this work in an area like a stadium? It's a great question. And certainly the engagement from the pro sports leagues has been high on our efforts. So we look forward to helping that solution roll out. I think if we recall, and your point's well taken, if you think back to 9-11, the thing that people anchored in was baseball getting started again. It it gave our country an anchor point to say, okay, maybe we're going to be okay. And then ultimately, yeah, we are going to be okay and we can win again. It'll be the same sort of thing here. And I think sports is important just for the morale of the country. So we're working closely on trying to develop these solutions. Certainly, the leagues are all putting first the health of their personnel and the athletes. They've got to do that. Otherwise, frankly, they don't have a product to sell. So as they get comfortable with that, and obviously the advanced serological testing will be required for them to have that level of comfort, they'll be able to start having practices and getting things going. Then it's about getting fans back into the arena. At some stage, you might be able to launch sports without fans, but I don't think many athletes want to do that. We're not seeing consensus built around that particular topic. There are some sports that might give a better path than others to having the event without fans, perhaps golf, since fans are generally having to be quiet anyway. But in most sports, the fans are a big part of the game. Getting the fans in will be up to the arenas to set the standard for what they're comfortable with. And I'm sure they'll work in tandem with the leagues to determine what they're comfortable with. So think of it this way you'll have to have a certain antibody level for people to be comfortable that you're not going to give them the disease or the virus. So we've got to get to a place where the serological tests are advanced enough that people can know you can go into this facility comfortably knowing that nobody around you is going to make you sick or that you're not going to make anyone else sick. And one of the examples you shared with me earlier, and I'm a, you and I are both huge fans of clear because it just seems to solve a lot of problems. Of course, it was solving problems different than this prior than a couple months ago, but I have not used Clear in a stadium. I know that Clear has been uh, rolling itself out in stadiums, and I imagine there's, there's competitors to it. But explain how this will work in that environment. Yeah. So if you think about the way Clear works, for anyone that's listening and not familiar with this, you scan your, your fingerprints, your irises, and you keep that information inside of Clear's database. And then when you go to check in to TSA, instead of having to have the TSA agent verify who you are by looking at your license, Clear has done that by looking at your biometrics. And you get passed through security considerably faster as a function of that. It works similarly with sporting arenas where you can attach your ticket account to Clear. And instead of scanning your ticket, they scan your irises to get in. I use it to go to the Cleveland Indians games, and it works fantastically well. Even renting a car, Hertz does it now too. So what would happen is that within the Clear account, and and to be fair, we haven't spoken to Clear yet, but it's it's clear, pun intended, how this would work. (laughs) We would be embedded inside of the barcode that is part of your ticket, which would then be, obviously, it's linked to Clear. The way that we're controlling for privacy, because I think you have to think about privacy in this instance, it's not as if the arena needs to have your medical record. That is not the way this will work. The way it works is that they set a standard for what they're comfortable with in letting people back in. 
we are just certifying that your test meets that standard. We're not sharing medical data. We're not moving your data around. The arena would set a standard that you'd have to meet in order for them to feel comfortable letting you in. And you either meet or don't meet. So it becomes binary that you are allowed in or you're not allowed in. It would work the same way, by the way, for a barbershop or for your local store. They will be able to control their profile and say, here's what we're comfortable doing. This is America, after all. The enterprise should control who they want to have into their business. And certainly, this is a tool that would enable them to control for the health of the people entering during this very different time. So use your barber example. Are they scanning an app? Is that where they're getting this information? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great example. So our solution for the, the barbers is not to imply that they have a scanner, right? I, I don't want small business to have to go out and incur even more expense during a period like this. Instead, they'd set up an account through Vital Chain. Within Vital Chain, they could then print off a QR code that as people come to their facility, they use the QR code scanner on their phone, scan that, that QR code. It immediately loops into their Vital Chain app and their Vital Chain app says, you know, you're approved or you're not approved to enter this facility. And so that eliminates the technical need for the, the barbershop to have to have a scanner. It keeps it very simple for the consumer. And most importantly, it keeps the data in the consumer's hands. It's the consumer's data. There's no reason why it should have to be shared with every place you want to go enter. But certainly, places are going to set standards for how you can enter them. And you need to be able to prove or certify to them that you're able to go in, but you need to control your own data. And that's the big difference between us and contact tracing. With contact tracing, it's anything but your own data. I think what people are fearful of with contact tracing is that all of a sudden, you know, Apple and Google find out I was near someone with COVID, they send me an alert. And 30 seconds later, I'm also getting advertisements to buy a ventilator. I don't want that. I don't want them having that level of knowledge of my health. I also don't like the concept of being marketed to during this time. I think the fear is there that they would do it. I haven't seen assurance that they won't do it. But contact tracing is a very useful tool to figuring out how to eliminate hotspots. So that's my point about this has to work in tandem, right? So we can keep the data private and contact tracing, if it's done on an opt-in basis, can be useful to reduce hotspots. It's going to be a myriad of solutions that have to come together to really get rid of this virus and and move us back into a state of normalcy. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think that the crowdsourcing element of the beacons and what Apple and first of all, the fact that Apple and Google are working together for being in the tech industry, we're pretty excited about that. But it is kind of a layering effect. We have to figure out how to get just generic information and that has its, its own thing going on. But what's interesting is that particular technology is eventually looking to be connected to several major applications that are run by medical facilities. So I think you're all kind of heading in the right direction. You've chosen a bit of a different form factor, but one that I think actually has more validation to it and has the ability to to stay real time as you can update it. So I wish you a lot of luck. We will be keeping in touch with you and look forward to seeing you have great success. So thanks for being a guest today on Explain to Shane. Thank you very much.